Hello again, everybody. It's uh, Jason Powers. So it's been a while since I've uploaded a podcast. I've uh, I've done some, but uh, just didn't feel right about whatever I was saying, or thought it was uh, too early, and I wanted to get more information. So <clears throat> thus, uh, I haven't uploaded in a great while. So I've been kind of busy working out some analysis um, that I'll provide and share an idea that I've been working on, but I want to formulate it further. It's very different from other things I've suggested. Um, But uh, just say uh, there's, you know, when you're looking at the geopolitical and the political and the financial and the economic situations that we're currently up against, uh, we have to start thinking extremely outside the box uh there's going to be a lot of uh desire to stay inside a particular uh paradigm which is what washington dc and (laughs) the host of uh globalist parasites want us to do by the way they want us to be stuck on stupid and they also want us to, and, and oh, by the way, they want us to play by the same rules that they've always, well, they don't play by any rules. And so we shouldn't either. <clears throat> so for those out there who think there's a certain level of uh, uh, things that we cannot do or see things as absurd, well, I'm here to tell you that there's going to have to be a very uh, unique strategy in order for... <laughs> us to survive as a nation or country um this idea that uh you can uh uh keep on doing the same things and get different results is is the definition of insanity and that's what i'm i'm going to work on but i'm going to work on details that probably most people won't uh cotton to i will say that that uh, people will see it as absurd and it's going to involve people that uh, uh, there's people out here in my uh, particular substack that will find rather hard to swallow. But I look at it this way. You need somebody with a uh, popularity. Um, <laughs> and we know who those people are. And so I'm looking at this from a U.S. political strategy. This is That's what I'm talking about here, by the way. Um, but I'm not going to get into any further details on that front. Um, as you know, I'm outside doing my uh, podcast because it's a nice night. It's Easter night. Uh, it's just about wrapping up for most of us. Um, I hope everybody out there did have a good day. I mentioned that in my uh, post tonight. Um, <clears throat> and it was tied to my endeavors today to <laughs> utilize a $5 bill to get my uh my addiction of choice uh that would be uh an energy drink technically i was looking for a uh, i was looking at a monster or rain i would have uh preferred a bang but uh those aren't uh very prevalent in this town so don't want to dwell on that too much but i've just got done reading and one of my favorite sites is zero hedge regarding uh uh, bank, a banking crisis, of course, 
because of loans that are out there on the books and the, the inability to refinance them is going to trigger once again the same kind of problems that we had in 2007 and 2008. Uh, there's names that probably most of us remember if you were paying attention back then. Countrywide Financial, New Century. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, different uh, people that were involved in the commercial real estate business back then. And uh, they ended it. And they, they were quoting a lot of this was coming from Morgan Stanley. Uh, another one of these minion uh, groups, which, by the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at. Uh, intensely in regards to another article I, I will post here pretty soon. Uh, let's just say it has to be, uh, we'll say it overlaps with uh, what would you call the neocon uh, part of the the interference in our elections and our our Department of Justice. So we'll, we'll get to that later because I've uh, discovered a few more extra uh, oomphs to that, but um, we'll get to, uh, I will post that later, probably, I figure within a week or 10 days, we'll see where we're at. I want to confirm a couple more things and see if I can dig deeper to get some real, uh, uh, deep insights. And this is out there on the internet, so it's a matter of connecting the dots, um, and let's just say the dots connect back through all the typical names that you know. Uh, I've reported before in other podcasts, uh, the, you know, the Bill Barr, that kind of deal. And we know he's deeply involved, but he's been deeply involved in, in uh, a couple of uh, organizations that, that, of course, make a big deal, make a big difference. Uh, Kirkland Ellis and the Carlisle Group. Kirkland being the legal arm of a, um, well, let's just say uh, it's the largest uh, by sales or revenue, I'm sorry, uh, in regards to uh, legal firms in the United States, it's like a four billion dollar, uh, you know, legal firm, and it handles, of course, of lots of uh, you know high end cases. A lot of ex Kirkland Ellis people are involved in this, and that should tell you something because why is it that certain people are continuing to be involved? There's a angle on Project Veritas that I just discovered, and there's a you know there's a fair amount of uh, meat on the bones there. Uh, but getting back to the banking um, situation, the concept of of a banking collapse is it is coming. <laughs> it's coming very hard, and of course we've uh, discussed that in a. Um, a I put that in a video recently about the monetary system. <laughs> but the another angle that is popped up with this banking situation is the Justice Department, or in particular through uh, the Virgin Islands, is uh, putting uh, heat on a J.P. Morgan Chase and Barclays regarding, and I think another bank or other banking entities, regarding the Epstein um, situation. Now, think about it this way, and I want you to think about this very hard, but you may not understand what I'm getting at. So, we know that there are parasites <laughs> at the very top of this food chain, and they all have their own particular game they're playing. And for the most part, they play nice, 
with themselves because they highly agree on lots of things. They don't like us, us uh, plebes and us uh, low IQ people, as they can uh, call us, or useless eaters, if you really want to get down to it. But when certain uh, groups or factions don't play along with their the long long term, or don't want to give up their power, power seats, their uh, high positioning. So let's say, like Jamie Dimon, for example, uh, has a very high place in this situation. Uh, and he wants to maintain it through J.P. Morgan Chase. And J.P. Morgan Chase is the largest institute or institution, banking institution in the United States. I think it's number one by um, <clears throat> assets under its management. He's the biggest monkey muck. We know Goldman Sachs. You know uh, Bank of America. And uh, <clears throat> I forget who is the fourth number in the fourth place is probably... Oh, I can't remember. That doesn't really matter. <laughs> but the point is, is here, these bank banking head CEOs want their control. Uh, giving up control would be a a big loss to them. So this uh, this uh, situation regarding Epstein and what they knew, including there's reports, of course, that. They back into the 2000s that you know they knew all about Epstein and they knew all about they were supportive of it. When I say supportive, they were joking and mocking the idea and uh, yeah, crass probably behavior. But here's two things about this. So yes, the U.S. Virgin Islands is is a uh, is kind of the jurisdiction died tied to the fact of uh, Epstein's. Uh, uh, island, um, <clears throat> Little St. James, I'm sure it falls within that jurisdictional. But being that it's being held offshore also makes it uh, out of sight, out of mind, because most of the public, you know, it's not being held in the Southern District of New York. It's not being held in Washington, D.C. It's not being held someplace where a lot of ice would get put on it. Uh, <clears throat> the muckety, uh, they're, they're giving, <laughs> they're giving, they're pressuring J.P. Morgan, uh, in particular, uh, obviously, to go along with this whole CBDC and uh, Fed now and all these different programs they're putting together for uh, their social, social and currency control in the United States. And maybe he's not fully on board because of, eventually they're just going to cut out all the banking middlemen. It's going to be held by the central bank, centralization of everything. And we're all going to be screwed. And maybe he's not on board with that because, you know, <laughs> obviously his uh, his uh, place or his uh, position will be naturally uh, diminished. And I'm sure, though, even after he, uh, let's just say, for example, he says, okay, I'll sign on board. And they say, okay, goody, goody. And as soon as they get it in place, they're gonna, they'll just leverage him again. So, you know, he knows his his position is is precarious at best and so the both sides are <laughs> playing this power game and they're just using this case in the situation to leverage him and believe me i have no love for jp morgan chase sadly sadly i have to admit uh, my banking has resided with them for a very long time by the way not that I've done any substantial banking with them in a long time when I say that, but my mom had her uh, her uh, business accounts through J.P. Morgan Chase, and 
back in the 2000s. <laughs> I, I opened my account with them, and, you know, it is what it is. Some things, uh, you know, I can move to a local bank, but I don't have a substantial account. And when I say substantial, I don't have thousands of dollars with them. We're talking hundreds at best. So, no, no big whoop. Um, if my financial situation was appreciably different, that would be a, a, they would they would already been done. It'd been a done deal. But you know, if you don't have if you don't have anything uh, of substantial importance, then what does it matter at this point? Whenever I uh, manage to acquire uh, <laughs> any kind of substantial financial asset or assets, of course. Now I'm under, uh, I'll probably be, be leveraged up by our, uh, our legal system, but that's my own personal deal and I gotta, I gotta work through it. Um, I'm just mentioning it because it is what it is. There's a, there's a method to my madness and there has nothing to do with, uh, you know, I, I don't understand what's going on. I do. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's like anything else when you're in a, in a, in a situation, you know, you know, I can make that chess, you know, people say, well, you can make that chess move. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I could. <laughs> it's not really going to get me anywhere. So, but back to Morgan and, and the rest, I know he, they're, they're, the, they're at the pillar of so much of the, the bad juju that has gone on in this country for like the last 125 to 140 years, uh, ever since, uh, his, uh, JP Morgan, <laughs> the, the first, uh, put this put this play on the United States in terms of uh, being embedded deeply in the in the the Federal Reserve's uh, incarnation and, and whatnot, which of course has uh, you know enslaved us. So for those out there, I totally agree. We need need to kick the legs out from underneath uh, uh, J.P. Morgan at in due course, um, but. Given the Fed right now is in a, let's just say its own, own strategy game against us, uh, we shouldn't be uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be so uh, quick to get rid of you know an enemy, an enemy of a, my enemy is my friend, that kind of deal. That's the that's the angle I'm going for here, is that you know I hate both, but you know. Uh, at this point, do we really want to? Will we want this to happen? When well, we have no, no nothing to do with this, by the way, uh, all these people are a holes. They're just different flavors of a holes. But you should know the nuances of the a holes, by the way, uh, which toggles back to another meeting that took place this past, uh, you know, <clears throat> a week or so with France, of course. Once again, France showing up to. To make sure that they can uh, get their seat at the table, uh, they were involved with the last time we had a currency major transition to uh, going off the gold standard in 1971. Uh, Charles de Gaulle, they, I, I put a little link to a, a short video regarding one of his speeches that he was making around 1965 regarding conversion to gold. And he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't wrong, by the way. But, it, it was timed well. It was well timed, and of course, he knew also that was what was going on at that time was the ramping up of the Vietnam War. Like I said, this was also also just a mere twenty years after Bretton Woods was uh, 
initiated in uh, 1944 with the U.S. becoming the, uh, the currency of choice uh, for uh, trade and whatnot because we were the only country that wasn't being heavily impacted in 1944. They knew the war was essentially won. It was just a matter of cleaning up, uh, you know, Europe. And when I say Europe, cleaning up the Germans. And, of course, they didn't uh, quite anticipate everything they were supposed to with the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union was kind of let off the hook because, of course, they were our allies at that point. Uh, <laughs> which, of course, you know, you know, I, I lie with communists. Then we took in Nazis from uh, Germany. So, and the, the BIS, which was established in 1930, uh, the Bank of International Settlements, uh, was uh, there's there's plenty of evidence that they were taking in Nazi gold. And when I say Nazi gold, it wasn't their gold. It was coming from uh, the people that they had uh, exterminated uh, throughout Europe. So, <laughs> just. So we're clear about that, and I'll put a link, um, I might put a link to that in regards to Anthony Sutton's work and some of the other people who have uh, uh, researched that in terms of uh, that actual topic. So it goes to show you that, you know, uh, the banking uh, interest is always, and I do mean always, involved with all the wars all the financing and all the things that go on in this world that are bad there are so many people that solely their sole objective and their sole positioning is based upon how much money they can make off of it and of course you know this has been part of the dilemma and the destruction of this country because while they've been investing in all these wars they haven't been investing in in this country at all so that has left us, well, vulnerable to all kinds of things, but um, <clears throat> it's made us weak, complacent. We have a society filled with, you know, I guess the word is derelicts would be a good word for a lot of people. And, you know, <laughs> I could say that about myself too, but uh, uh, what I mean is they just, people who have, have uh are very unaware of what's going on in terms of what is gonna what is coming and not only that just have a have this la la mentality because they've been fed so many lies over the years and they've been fed so much propaganda that they they continue to fight this left right paradigm when they don't understand that everything's top down and that it's being put being pushed there's a reason why you know the uh the Bud Light scenario, <laughs> it just happened recently. Uh, you know, like this, this really shouldn't have been a shock to anybody. But, you know, when they start promoting all this, you know, trans-oriented uh, uh, stuff, you should be very well aware that this has all being, been kind of uh, uh, in the works. Uh, you know, it's been in the works for a long time. And it follows up right off, right off the, the heels of all the racial antipathy that's being really ginned up again. And we know it's all being driven by people, you know, throughout, you know, the world. Uh, you know, the D.C. establishment has, has, they've written executive orders. They said that they're going to do this in Africa, too. Or, you know, development. They're going to attach everything tied to, if you don't accept, uh, you know, transgenderism. Uh, we're not going to allow you to have the, the kind of contracts. So what is Africa doing? They're pivoting towards Asia and China. Mm. I guess, you know, if you really want to, 
and <laughs> they're just uh, changing. They're just uh, uh, bowing to uh, the saner approach. And believe me, you know, you know from my other podcasts that I have no, I have zero love for China, but this is being done on purpose to, you know, for the people that are involved in these um, high-level dealings. They're doing this intentionally. The Biden administration is, of course, because you know they're gonna they're they're trying to sell the idea that they're on some kind of moral footing, and they have no moral footing. We know that for a fact, just based upon all the dealings that uh, Biden Biden can't get a uh, doesn't get a talk with Xi anymore. Well, that's that's by design too. You know, Xi Xi got exactly what he wanted out of the deal. He got he got his puppet in the White House, and you can only imagine what he has on 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 Joe Biden beyond what we know, and we know a lot, and we know enough, but you can imagine that 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 uh, that is that what's really out there is about ten times that. That's why, you know, they're willing to go down this uh, these uh, uh, stupid foreign policy initiatives, of course, to just betray this entire nation. Everything that's going on is, you know, by a, a design collapse of, you know, our um, moral authority in the world. And, um, yeah. And the idea is to just uh, to uh, turn this into literally a third world shithole. And it will occur because it will occur only if we just sit back and don't come up with uh we have to figure out a way uh to expose and 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 destruct the deep state administrative state and and there's going to be risk involved that are beyond most people's comprehension they're not gonna they're not gonna they're gonna sit here and say well we can't do this and we can't do that at some point or another the risks are going to have to be made in order to achieve any goal and you're going to have to go out on a limb. You notice that the Democrats don't have any have any uh, barriers that they're not willing to shatter. You you notice that they have no no care for what they say publicly or otherwise, or the things that they're willing to uh, uh, do to anyone who stands up to them in the least bit. You know, you can take the uh, the swimmer who was out in uh, San Francisco, or you can take the Tennessee situation. They don't have a. They don't care a, a one little bit about what they uh, say or do, or who they're willing to throw under the bus. These people despise your country. They despise everything about everything, and they're willing to. They're willing to pop off. They're willing to throw anybody under the bus to get what they want. So at some point or another, you're going to have to come to that conclusion that, you know. This idea of the principles, the principles you should have are, look, we have to do, we have to be willing to take the highest levels of risk in order to achieve, well, maintain maintenance of this, this nation or this country, you know, somehow turn it around if we can somehow get back any kind of control and you're going to be targeted and, you know, there's been a, there's a long history of uh, the targeting doesn't mean you have to go about the the you know go about this in a um, aggressive manner in terms of you know the typical ways we have to be willing to take the lumps 
we're going to have to take the lumps. We're going to take the lumps eventually when when uh, all this uh, uh, banking sector blows up and the economic uh, news is just going to get terrible. And many of these places, and, and this is, I guess, a precursor or pre, a preview of the strategy, is all the cities in the United States have to be taken back. And I mean taken back from all these power, these uh, machine politics. And we're going to have to go in places that we are not very well welcome, but we're going to have to come in with a face and a plan and an absolute um, agenda that works, by the way. And we, we're not going to be, you're going to have to fight these people tooth and nail. And you're going to have to put, you know, if you don't get the city, I, I know so many, uh, let's say conservatives say, well, I don't care about them. Yeah. And that's exactly the, what they know. They already know. Yeah, the, the people that live in those cities have known about the abandonment for the last 40, 50, 60 years by most of the people on the conservatives. They say, ah, I don't care about them. And they, and they think it. And these people think, by the way, the people in the cities think it's due to their race. And, and that's actually not true. I mean, it is for, you know, there are the, the people on the right that are absolutely ignorant of the you know they will they will toggle to that or use that as the excuse but no you, you the and, and i don't even want to make it left and right but the only way this country will survive is if we can somehow turn around the the, the decay and the destruction and the decadence that has been foisted upon these cities by democrats and uh, obviously their their uh, accomplices in dc the republicans and the the rhinos or however you want to term them we'll just it, it's one big uniparty and we are not a part of it but these people have to be politically <laughs> removed <laughs> and they can't uh, be allowed to just keep on uh, steamrolling those uh, those places I mean, there are people there that would would thank their lucky stars if someone came in and actually invested in them, and invested in them in ways that they haven't been invested in in the last, like I said, half half century. It's sad that we have to say this. I mean, there there are some there they were cities in this country, you know, up through the '60s. That were amazingly beautiful. There's been people that have posted lots of pictures of those cities. What happened? Well, you gave up on them. I know I lived... I, I'll say personally for my example, and I end this podcast on this. So, I, uh, you know, I grew up near uh, Gary, Indiana. My uh, grandparents, uh, my grandfather in particular, uh, he, that's where he was uh, raised in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. Um, he knew that it was a different town for a long time. He was, uh, you know, he initially he was born in Paris, Illinois, but he moved there with his, you know, obviously my great grandparents, and they, uh, my great grandparents. So my grand great grandfather was a barber, and he ran a uh, ran that service through the 40s and I think into the 50s and maybe even the 60s. I, I'm not for certain on that, but that town was a different town. It started to fall apart in the 1970s. And then, you know, there's been... Gary has gotten uh, substantially worse. I, I don't know the latest statistics on him, but it's always had a high murder rate, uh, 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 escape 
from uh, the population has left, just like they do out in California. Um, I, I would just say that, uh, yeah, it's been given up on. It's always known as a working town, a hard blue card town. It's also a hard left town in terms of uh, the politics that have been there forever and a day. Lake County, I think, Lake County and Marion County are the, I think, two of the bluest counties and have been for like the last five or six election cycles. But that's, you know, people don't want to fight, uh, fight to, to give the right, you know, not, I, I don't even like to say it's about policy. It is about caring. People will vote for people that they know legitimately care about them, legitimately care about their, uh, who they are and what they care about. And so much has been given up on in the last, you know, you know, before I was even born, it was already happening. Um, and that's got to change. This country, I, I, I know I've been down recently in lots of things, and it, there's always more bad news or more bad, more push. But at some point, we're going to have to figure out a way to make this uh, occur. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm working on a some kind of battle plan. And I'm going to introduce it to some people that uh, I hope they'll accept the information. I am no, I'm going to do whatever I can. Because I don't think it's a political strategy that's been uh, used. And it's going to be very different from other people. And maybe maybe people think it's crazy. But then again, if you want to continue to fight the same, same power dynamics with these people in Washington, D.C., this thing is going to be over before it even starts. You know, 2024. And yes, I know about the cheating. Yes, I know about the balloting. But here's the thing. Once you get on the ground, you stay on the ground. And you pay, pay ultra damn sure of what's going on. And you need to continue to uh, uh, awaken these people to realize that these people do not... The people in D.C. and the and agencies and the institutions are, are morally bankrupt and have no place in your uh, life anymore. But that's going to take a lot of convincing. But you have to just keep on showing them the evidence. You know, when people keep on doing a, a damnable things, you have to change. So I'll leave it there for now. God bless the United States of America. And God save the world.